Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Church, who's excited to be here today? Anybody? Yeah, come on, look at the person next to you. Say, you look good today. You look good today. (laughs) Some of y'all say that way too confidently. (laughs) We're excited that you're here, and uh, we want to take a moment, as we like to do, before we get into the message and pray for another church in our community. Today, we're going to pray for First Christian Church. So will you uh, bow your heads, and let's say a word of prayer for them. God, we thank you. Uh, for the opportunity that we have to gather in this room and gather together and worship you. Lord, we're here for you today. And Lord, we thank you for First Christian Church right here in our community. Lord, we pray that you would bless them, that your favor would be on them, that they would, uh, they would accomplish everything that you have set before them to accomplish, Lord, that um, we thank you that we have the opportunity with, together with them and all the other churches around our community to build your kingdom together and to be about your business and what it is that you've called us to do. And so, Lord, we pray for their, their leadership and their congregation today and everything that they do. We lift them up, and we pray that you'd bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Well, tonight, you heard it. Tonight is our serve team rally. Uh, it's the one in the spring that we do in the spring. And uh, uh, we want you to be here. We're going to have great food, great fellowship. We're going to have some fun together. Um, we're also going to be, uh, there's a specific thing God's put on my heart that I want to share with you. We're going to give you some important information, uh, especially about Easter coming up this next Sunday. So we want you to be here. If you serve on any team in our church, uh, you're welcome to be here. It's totally free. This is just one small way that we can say thank you for all that you do, investing in and pouring into, uh, whether it be kids or greeting or whatever it is that you do here at the church. So we want you to be here for that tonight from 5 to 7. And then next weekend is Easter Sunday, and so we will be here at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30. And so if you show up at 9 or 10.45, you're going to be showing up right in the middle of something that's already going on. So keep it in mind. I know you've been hearing this, and you will not forget, because I know that's the kind of people you are. You just don't forget things. So uh, we're excited about next weekend. We believe that God's going to do something significant. And I just want to remind you again Um, I know you hear this, it sounds cliche, but it really is the truth. Statistically, uh, so many people are more open to an invitation to to come to church on Easter weekend. And so who is it that that God puts on your heart to just invite, say, hey, do you want to come sit with me at uh, at Impact Church on Easter Sunday? I'd love to have you sit with me. And I believe that the word that God's put on my heart, that uh, he wants to use it to, uh, to touch lives. And, uh, and, and change people's mindsets and, and change them from the inside out. And I believe that that can happen in a moment. Um, it's amazing what God can do in a moment, isn't it? Come on, anybody, anybody ever had a moment where God did something in your heart or in your life or in your mind? And it's a powerful thing. And then I want to do one other thing before we get into the message. I want to give you an update. Um, many of you know if you were here last weekend, we were not here last weekend. My, since the beginning of the year, really since last fall, um, our family, my dad in specifically, has been uh, walking through some different things and, and health things and surgeries and stuff like that. Back in January, for those of you that don't know, uh, it was on a Wednesday night, and uh, he, was, he was preaching. My dad's a pastor. He was preaching, and um, in the middle of that service, uh, had a seizure, 
And uh, so people were praying, ended up going to the hospital. We drove through the night that night, got there at like 3 or 4 in the morning. And uh, they had done an MRI and things and said that they had found a mass on his brain. And uh, long story short, through this process and multiple MRIs and different things, um, they said, we need to, you know, we need to do surgery. We need to remove this. So last week we drove up and Thursday was uh, the surgery for him to have the, this tumor removed from his brain. And so we were, um, try not to get too emotional, we, were, we drove up there on Wednesday and got up on Thursday morning and got there early and had the procedure done. And uh, it was several hours later we were able to see him or whatever, and, um, and there were some effects, uh, some things that uh, because of where it is and the way that the brain works, and it was on the right side, and so the left side of his body was affected, and um, his speech somewhat, and um, just gripping and different things like that, and so um, throughout that whole process, we spent uh, a couple days with him there in the ICU, and uh, and then a couple more days on a, another floor with him, and um, by the grace of God, um, we have seen uh, day after day, he would, he would tell you it's not happening as, as quick as he would want it to. Uh, but day after day, even after we came back home and still been in touch with them and FaceTiming them, things like that, um, grip, he's, his grip is getting better. Um, he's walking around. The other day he was going up and down stairs. He said, I'm going to go up and down some stairs and, and do some different things. So, um, so I just wanna, I want to ask you uh, to just continue to pray. And we just want to say on behalf of our family and behalf of them, I know they're not here today. They may even be watching right now. If you're watching, I love you. Um, but <laughs> now y'all going to make me cry with all the alls. <laughs> um, but just continue to pray that, that, uh, that he'll continue to get strength and that um, the, the effects on the left side, that, that God would just completely heal his body. That every, everything re regarding speech, everything regarding strength, everything regarding um, anything that, that was an effect of, of having that surgery, that it would, be, it would be restored and he would be made whole. And, uh, and we just want to say thank you. We received so many um, text messages and messages through the Church Center app and phone calls and, and people that let us know. And we've got people praying and, and stuff like that. And we just can't say thank you enough uh, for you guys' willingness to even just stop and and take time to pray for him and for our family so wanted to give you an update on that uh this morning all right so um we have been in a series going through first peter today is the end of that series and one last week's come on if you were here last week one last week's message so good come on did you enjoy aaron the dump truck come on the dump truck preacher <laughs> He's not here right now, but if he listens to this, I'll, I'll be sure and tell him later. We've, uh, we've, we've officially named him that. Um, I, he did an amazing job. We were actually, my wife had it pulled up, and we were listening to the service and participating uh, while we were at the hospital uh, last Sunday. And so, so thankful for him bringing that word. And I want to encourage you, if you've, if you've missed any of this series, you can always get on the podcast on YouTube, Church Center app, all those things. Uh, but today we're jumping into the final chapter of 1 Peter, which is chapter 5. And uh, so we're just going to jump in and go through this. And I believe that the Lord's going to speak to us through his word. Come on, you believe that? You believe that? All right, so 1 Peter chapter 5, starting at verse 1. 
says, And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you can get out of it or what you will get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Um, at the beginning of chapter 5, we see that Peter is talking to the elders, and he says, hey, I'm, I'm speaking to the elders in the churches right now. And he says, as a fellow elder, here's, here's what I want you to do. And, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but I, I'm thankful for, uh, and hopefully you are too, I'm thankful for the elders that we have right here in our church that uh, are men of God, men that love the Lord, men that love our church, men that love, uh, love what God is doing here, men that are committed to guiding and leading and directing um, this church. Yeah, come on. We have been, we have been so blessed with, uh, with just phenomenal men of God that, that the Lord has brought into, into our body uh, that are serving in that, that capacity. And here in the New Living Translation is what we're reading out of today. The elders, they're instructed, it says, to care for the flock that's been entrusted to them. And if you, if you look in other translations, this, this word care is more frequently translated as shepherd. You've probably heard that term before, like shepherd. You know, many of you, I, I've e even had people, you know, as they're talking to me, they'll be like, hey, shepherd, you know, and like just because that's what, that's what the, the word actually means. It's to guard, to guide, and to protect. So this is a picture of, of a, a group of people who are, uh, who are instructed to guide, instructed to guard, instructed to protect the people that God has entrusted to them. And so as your pastor and along with the other elders in the church, this is what we seek to do. Um, we're seeking the direction of God and wh where is God leading, where is the Lord leading, and we want to be about that and we want to lead this congregation and this body and this church uh, in that direction and I love the picture that we get in John's gospel I don't know if you've ever read this before but we're all familiar with John 10:10. 10, 10, the thief comes uh, doesn't come but still kill and destroy but I've come so that they may have life and have it more abundantly and two verses later um, I love this because we get this picture of Jesus as the good shepherd and it's this picture of what it looks like for someone to not be uh, fulfilling the role of shepherd, but just doing it for what they can get out of it. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but, but this is what it says. Jesus is speaking, and he says, A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. And he's saying, like, at the very beginning, he's saying he's a hired hand. This is somebody who has just been hired to do a job, somebody that's just been hired to fulfill a task, but that's not that's not the heart of uh, of our elders and even of us or my wife in this this church. Our heart is not to just be here to do a job. This is a calling. This is something that God has called us to do, to guard and to lead and to protect and to shepherd in this way. And I think that. Uh, I believe that true shepherds care for and take care of their flock because they have the heart of a shepherd, not the heart of just doing a job, not the heart of just getting something done. I love the way that one commentator wrote about elders and the church. He said it this way, For God's blessings to flow through the church, the elders must faithfully exercise authority, 
and the congregation must faithfully follow. He said, here's how God's blessing flows through the church. It's the people that he has put in place. They exercise the authority that they have been given, and they follow the direction of the Lord, and the congregation faithfully follows the direction that the church is going. And that is the picture of a church, I believe, that uh, is thriving and that, that God is blessing. And then uh, this is another one of those places in Scripture. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but where there's an instruction, but there's not just an instruction, there's also a specific way to carry out the instruction. You ever notice this in your Bible? Where you'll be instructed to do something, and then there are a lot of instances where you'll be instructed not just to do it, but and when you do that, here's how you need to do that. And so here's what I notice about this, is that, that we're uh, commissioned to do this willingly because we're eager to serve the Lord, and to do this by leading by example. It's a specific way that we're called to fulfill these roles in the church. And it reminds me of other instructions that we see in Scripture, just to name a few. John 13, 34, Jesus said, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. There's the instruction. And look at what he says. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. So he says, here's what you're supposed to do. Love each other, and here's the way that you're supposed to do it. The way that you have seen me love you, the way that I have loved you, that's how you need to love one another. If you look at Ephesians 5, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about husbands and wives. In Ephesians 5, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Like a specific way to do it. For husbands, if you look at verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church. And so as you read your Bible, you'll see where, hey, as believers, as followers of Jesus, as people fulfilling certain roles uh, in the church, different things like that, here's the instruction, here's what you need to do, but here's the specific way that you need to do it in. Don't just make up your own way, but here's the way that you need to do this. And so we're not just instructed to love each other, but to do it a specific way, or just not to submit, but to do it in a specific way. And as elders and pastors, we're not just called to guard and guide and protect but to do it willingly because we're serving the Lord and to lead by example. And I love what the end of those first four verses says. It's when we lead by example that we receive the reward of the great shepherd. That Jesus looks on and he's like, There's, that's, that's what I'm blessing right there. There's a reward coming right there. And then he goes on, verses 5 and 6, look at this. He says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So in verse 5 at the beginning, Peter brings up the idea about accepting the authority of the elders. Right? Trusting them, honoring them, submitting to their authority. And then I love the Bible's instruction for every single one of us. I love this, and we have this on the screen, I believe. It's, it's just... A few words, putting it this way, he says, dress yourselves in humility. I'm going to say that again. Dress yourselves in humility. In fact, let's just all participate today. Can we all participate in church today? Can we all just read this on the screen? Come on, are you ready? One, two, three. Dress yourselves in humility. He says, all of you, every one of you. All of you, come on, look at your neighbor right now and say, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. Dress yourselves 
in humility. Now, here's what humility is, all right? I want to try to explain this to the best of my ability. Humility is a modest or low view of one's own importance. Humbleness. It's a modest or low view of one's own importance. Humbleness. Let me tell you what humility is not. It's not talking about a low view of your value. See, we, we like to have a false humility sometimes like, well, I'm just a nobody. Just not. not and, and we think that being humble and, being, and having, dressing ourselves in humility means that we are degraded and we talk down to ourselves. And when other people talk down to ourselves, we're like, you know, that's just keeping me. It's just keeping me humble. Just keeping me dressed in humility. Humility is not a low view of your value. It's a low view of your importance. It's the opposite. You know what pride is? Pride is a high view of your importance. It's feeling like if, if they don't have me, look at how important I am. But dressing yourselves in humility, it's this modest, it's this low view of your importance. It's humbleness. And it reminds me of what Paul wrote in Romans, when he was writing to the Romans, he said this in chapter 12, verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. And right after this verse, right after this verse, Paul starts talking about how we're all a part of the body. He says, don't, I'm going to give you a warning. Don't think you are better than what you are. Don't think higher of yourselves than what you ought to. And then he starts talking and writing about how we are all a part of the body of Christ and how no one part can look at another part and say, you're not as valuable as this part and I am more valuable than you. No, we're all a part of the body. Don't think you are better than you really are. And as followers of Jesus, I think that we should wake up every day and put on humility. Peter said, clothe yourselves, dress yourselves, put it on every day. Like when you wake up in the morning and you take a shower, whatever your routine is. Come on, we all have our routines. Everybody have your routine. You know that you do the same thing. Anybody ever get ready in the morning and you don't even remember everything that you did because you just always do it in the same pattern every single day? You need to make, as a part of your morning routine, you need to make putting on humility a part of your morning routine. You need to put something, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, today, I will be dressed in humility. You need to look at yourself and say, today, I am not going to consider myself better than anybody else. Today, I'm going to be clothed in humility. I'm going to be humble today. Today, I'm going to put others first in my life. Today, I'm walking out of this house I'm walking into this, this job. I'm walking into my marriage relationship. I'm, I'm getting up today, and I'm going to, everything that I do, I'm going to clothe myself or clothe myself in humility. And Peter even tells us the reason why this is so important. He says it this way. He says, he's quoting from the Old Testament. He says, God, this is why it's so important, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So Peter doesn't just say, all of you clothe yourselves in humility. Let's just move on. He says, no, here's the reason why. Because this is how God works. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be on the grace-receiving side of God and not standing in opposition to him. 
because of my pride. Peter says, you know what you need to do? You need to wake up today and you need to clothe, you need to put it on like you're going to put on your pants today. You're putting on humility. You're pulling your shirt over your head. You're putting on humility. Clothe yourselves, dress yourselves in humility. Why? Because here's what, here's, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The way that we dress ourselves in humility every single day, it allows us to receive the grace that God has, that God offers to those that are humble. We could say it this way, we can either lift ourselves up and be humbled, or we can humble ourselves submitting to God and he will lift us up at the right time. We can either lift ourselves up and be humbled, or we can humble ourselves and submit to God, and he will lift us up and honor us at the right time. He will exalt us at the right time. Someone summed it up this way. They said it this way. If you want God to oppose you, press on with your stiff neck. But if you want the mighty hand of God to exalt you, you must humble yourselves before him. You must humble yourself before him. Peter then goes on to write um, the next verse that uh, I was talking to my wife about this this last week, and I, I told her that I have literally felt like over the last week and a half, I have had to live this verse out. I have had to literally apply this verse to my life, and we were sitting, and, and I, I told her, I said, this is so powerful. We were, we were talking about it last, it might have been last Friday or Saturday, and I said, it's kind of ironic, which is not really ironic, but it's interesting to me that today's topic was 1 Peter 5 and that this verse is in 1 Peter 5. And with everything that we were walking through, we were sitting there after my dad had had the surgery and we're sitting. Um, we can only have two people back at a time. And so I believe at the time it was, it was my mom and myself were sitting in this ICU room. And uh, I felt like the Lord led me to this verse. And I knew that this weekend was coming and that we were going to be, you know, speaking on 1 Peter 5. And I felt like the Lord said, read that verse. And so I went and read that verse, and this is what the verse says. It says, give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares for you. Give all of your worries and cares to God. Some translations would say, cast all of your cares on the Lord. And as we're sitting there, and I feel like the Lord said, you need to go read that verse. And I read it over and over again. Give all your worries and your cares to God, for he cares about you. And here's what, here's what I have realized in my life, and you probably realized in your life. It's one of the most frustrating things to be worried about something and not be able to do anything about it. Anybody ever been worried about something and there wasn't a thing you could do about it? And you're just sitting in your worry? And I thought to myself, it is one of the most frustrating things to be worried about something and not be able to do anything about it, but it is a powerful thing to give what you're worried about to God and receive his peace. 
It can be one of the most frustrating things to be worried about something and not be able to do a single thing about it, but it is one of the most powerful things whenever there's worry in your heart and you submit that, you give that over to God, you give your worries and your cares over to him, and you receive his peace in return. I was thinking about Philippians chapter 4, a couple of verses that we're so familiar with, but it's so hard. I don't know why we struggle with this so much in our lives and in our culture Philippians 4, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. It says, don't, don't worry about anything. Some translations say, be anxious for nothing. But instead, by prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. Tell him what you need. Thank him for what you're done. Don't be worried about anything but instead pray about everything and then verse verse seven then you will experience god's peace which exceeds anything we can understand his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in christ jesus i read this this last week listen to this it it says has worry ever caused your mind to wonder while you're worshiping or reading the word anybody ever been there you're trying to worship you're trying to read the word trying to be in god's word trying to have time with the lord and worry just causes your mind to begin to wonder he says perhaps you just had a fight with your spouse or maybe you're worried or having trouble with a friend or you're worried about your finances it says first peter 5 7 says give all your worries and cares to god for he cares about you i've heard so many people say they give their cares to god over and over again but how can you keep giving something to another person unless you're taking it back each time When we do this, we're not actually giving our cares to God at all. The cares of this world can choke out the word of God in your life if you keep hanging on to them. No matter how strong you are, you are not meant to carry worry. God wants you to have peace, and he is ready to take all your cares right now. Just give them to him. I had this picture in my mind when I read that. Of, I don't know how many of you have ever worked out or gone to the gym or whatever, but, you know, the, the dumbbells, there'll be, most places there's this entire wall that's, you know, all of these racks where there's the different weights, different uh, amounts of weight that you can pick up off of there. And I had this picture in my mind that many of us have gone and we have picked up, we have picked up weight that we were never intended to carry. And we're carrying around these dumbbells everywhere that we go. And it's choking the life out of us. Because we're carrying around worry everywhere that we go. And here's the picture that I got in my mind on this this verse, 1 Peter 5, 7. It was like the Lord said, I'm just like that rack. I I was built, I was made to hold that. You weren't intended to hold that. Give that to me. Can you imagine in your mind if you were to take all of, the, all of the worry that you've been carrying around and you're at work and you can't even do your job well because you're so worried about something? You're, sitting, you're even sitting here today and it's hard for you to even focus on what's being said because you're so worried about something. And you're carrying it around and you feel, you feel like your shoulders are getting heavy. You feel like your arms are wearing out. And you're begging God, like, God, can you take this? Can you help this? And here's what, I, here's what I feel like the Lord would say to you today. It's 1 Peter 5, 7. Give, give all your worries and cares to me. You were never meant to carry that around. Give it to me 
because I can handle it. Give it to me because I can handle it. Stop carrying around the things that you were never intended to carry, all of the worry that you were never intended to carry. And I love that the Word of God, once again, it doesn't just give us an instruction, but it gives us a reason why. Why should we give all of our worries and cares to God? It's the second half of the verse. It's because the creator of the universe cares about you. Is anybody else encouraged by one? I mean, can we be more encouraged by one verse than Peter writing down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Give all of your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares about you. Because he cares about everything that you're walking through. He cares about what you're carrying around. He cares about the things that you're worried about. He cares about the things that you can't get off your mind. His thoughts are towards you. You know, if you do a word study of this, it's literally, it's literally this picture that God is paying attention to what's going on in your life. Give all of your worries and cares to God because he cares for you. God is paying attention to what's going on in your life. And I don't know about you, but it's encouraging to me to know that God cares about me and that he is paying attention to me. And I just want to encourage someone today. God cares about what's troubling you. And I just feel like somebody needs to hear that today. That God cares about what's on your mind. God cares about what is troubling you. God is continually watching over you. He is paying attention. God has not forgotten about you. Sometimes we just have to, sometimes the enemy's voice will get so loud in our minds that God doesn't care. God's not paying attention. God's not there. God doesn't even see you. And we just have to shut the devil up sometimes and be reminded, no, God's word says that I can give all of my worries and cares to him because he cares for me. He's paying attention to me right now. Like, he cares about what's going on in my mind right now. And his invitation is, hey, will you give that to me? Will you lay that down? Will you, like, will you give that to me? I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. Oh, it's been probably a month ago. And he said that as he was studying this verse, he said that, uh, one, of the, one of the things that he found was it was almost like this picture of give your, your worries and cares to God. It's that, that God is right beside you. And he said that one, one, one person put it this way. It's like you have all of this weight on your shoulder. And here's what the verse means. It's that you, you give that weight to God. That he's right here with you. And he cares about what you're walking through. And it's this picture of you are so weighed down. By worry and anxiety and fear, and you fill in the blank. And he says, here's what, here's what you need to do. Here's what you can do today. Is you can just roll it off of you onto him. Here's, here's the reality. More times than not, you can't fix it anyway. So why would we carry around the worry and anxiety and fear and stress and care about things that we can't even change anyway. But if we'll give it to him, he can. If we'll roll it off of us and onto him and say, all right, God, you say you care about me, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give it to you. Here's something important for us to remember, is that to the extent that we truly believe this about God, we will release our worries to him. And I would submit to you that maybe, maybe, 
the reason why you struggle with and I struggle with giving our cares and our worries to God, maybe it's because we don't fully trust Him. To the extent that we believe that, that God really cares about us, it's to that extent that we'll give all of those things to Him. But many of us, maybe we're not giving them to Him because somewhere in the back of our mind, we just don't know if we can trust God. We're just not quite sure if we can trust God. Almost like, we almost get this picture in our mind that if I give that to God, what if God doesn't do anything with that? <laughs> what if God doesn't fix it? Do I really want to give it to Him? Because I could just take matters into my own hand and make sure that something happens. And God says, no, give all your worries and cares to me because I care about you. Jesus said this, this is Matthew chapter 6. He said, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. And I love this question. And maybe we need to ask ourselves this today. Why do you have so little faith? If God cares so much for all of these things that you see, and you're like, wow, that's beautiful, and look how they're taken care of, and wow, they don't even store food, and look at how he clothes the lilies in the field, and Jesus would say, your heavenly Father cares way more for you than he does for all those things. So why do you have so little faith? Why do we struggle so much with believing that we can actually give those things over to God and trust him with it? Come on, I want to encourage somebody today. Let's trust the Lord. What is Jesus saying to us through these scriptures? Here's what I think it is in one sentence. I care about you, and you can trust me. And for somebody here today, if you don't hear anything else I have said or that I say from this point forward, you need to leave with this right here. That the creator of the universe, the God who sent his son to die for you, everything that we're going to celebrate next weekend, and he would say to you, I care about you, and you can trust me. I care about you, and you can trust me. Next two verses, Peter goes on, he says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. Somebody say, watch out. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. <laughs> I love that last part. I, I translate it this way in my mind. You're not the only one. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to be reminded that we're not the only one. Like, oh no. The enemy's attacking everybody. You're not the only one. Most of us have heard verse 8 before, and we could probably quote it. We know we have an enemy. We know he prowls around. We know he's looking to devour us, looking for somebody to devour. We've, we've experienced hurt because of him. We've walked through struggles because of him. 
Some of us, listen, some of you have considered giving up because of him. Some of you have felt like, anybody ever felt like you were under a direct attack from Satan himself? I mean, it was like if you could see into the spiritual realm, it was, it was like you felt like you were looking the devil in the face. Like you were under an attack by the enemy. It says that he, he is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. But I want to I focus for just a few moments on verse 9. Because here's a couple of things that verse 9 says at the very beginning. In light of this, right, you, you have a real enemy. He's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. But here's what it says. It says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Jack Hayford made this statement, and I want to read this to you. I think we have this on the screen. He said, the key to standing against the enemy is knowing where you stand. Let that just sink in for a moment. The key to standing against the enemy is knowing where you stand on holy ground. Our authority is found through the cross and the blood of of Jesus. The key, the Bible tells us that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So stand firm against him. And here's the problem. Many of us have tried to stand firm against him on our own. And he said, and when I read this, I thought that is the best one-liner I have ever read in my entire life about the importance and the key to standing firm against the enemy. Because you read and you hear and you think, I need to stand firm against the enemy. He's going to attack. He's going to try to devour. He's prowling around. He's throwing things at me, and I need to stand firm. The key to standing firm is knowing where you stand. It's knowing where your authority to stand firm actually comes from. And it doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from your abilities it doesn't come from how much you know. No, it comes from the authority. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me because of what Jesus accomplished. And so the authority that Jesus has, he has given to us. And it's in that authority that we can stand firm against the enemy. We've got to know where we're standing. Many of us, right, we're walking through difficult things. Many people feel weary in life. Many Many of us feel like we're under this direct attack of the enemy. And can we just ask ourselves a very important question? On what are you standing? On what are you standing? In uh, Bible college, one question that was asked that has always stuck with me was similar to this. And, and it was speaking about uh, prayer and healing and different things like that. It said that when, whenever you are praying for something in your life or praying for somebody in your life or praying for a situation in your life, they asked this question. They said, what verse are you standing on? Are you just standing on, if I say the right words, I think it'll happen? Or have you, have you been in the word and you know this is what God's word says, and so I'm praying this and I'm standing on the word of God? On what, are, what are you standing on? Are you standing on your own ability? Are, are, you standing on, are, are you standing in your own strength or are you standing in God's strength? Are you, are you standing on your own understanding or are you standing on God's word? Are you standing in your own authority or the authority that has been given to you through the blood of Jesus? Because the key to standing firm against the enemy 
is knowing where you stand. You got to know what you're standing on. You got to know where your help comes from. And even though the enemy attacks, we're going to stand firm against him, knowing that the war is already won and we have the victory. We're not, we're not standing on, come on, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you're not standing on shaky ground. You're standing on a firm foundation. And the key to standing against the enemy is knowing. I know where I'm standing. And no matter what you throw against me, I still know where I'm standing. No matter how bad you come at me, I still know where I'm standing. And I can't be moved from this position. I can't be moved. You're not going to shake my faith. You're not going to cause me to doubt. I know where I'm standing. And so I'm going to stand firm against the enemy by knowing where I'm standing. I'm not standing on what I know. I'm not standing on my own understanding. I'm standing on the word of God. I'm standing in the authority that he's given me. We've got to know where we're standing. And maybe for some of us, we feel like we've been on shaky ground. And maybe today, your homework assignment is to get in God's word and figure out where you stand. Because the enemy is going to keep attacking. We've got to know where we're standing. Look at verses 10 and 11. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we get to share eternity with God. And I love the promise in verse 10, these promises in verse 10 about what God is going to do for his people. And in the New Living Translation, we just read this, it says that he's going to do these things. He's going to restore you, support you, strengthen you, and place you on a firm foundation. I love the New American Standard Bible, which is a more literal translation of, you know, more of a word-for-word -word translation of the Bible. And this is how it says it. It says the first one, it says, this is what God's going to do for you. This is what God's going to do for his people. Perfect you. Now, I found this interesting because I studied, I went in and I studied a little bit on each one of these things. What does this actually mean? That God's going to perfect you. This is the same Greek word that was used when, if you remember this, when James and John are with their father Zebedee and they're in the, in, in the Bible and they're, they're mending their nets. The same word that is used for mending is this word. You know what, you know what God's going to do? It's like this picture of the nets have been torn and they're having to fix some things and repair some things and they're, they're rebuilding some things. It says that God's going to perfect you. God's mending and repairing what feels broken in you. It says that after you have suffered for a little while, here's the first thing that God's going to do. God's going to perfect you. He's going to mend some things. He's going to put some things back together. The things that feel broken in you. The second one is he will confirm you. God is strengthening and establishing you. Your faith is going to be deeper your firmness in God and what you stand on is going to be greater. He's going to confirm you. Here's the third one. He will strengthen you. And here's what a word study shows about what this word means. It's able to move in a way that achieves something in the most effective way. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Here's what God says he's going to do. After you've suffered a little while, Peter's writing this to people that have been through trial, been through suffering, been through persecution. They're in the middle of things, and, they're, they're, and he's encouraging them. And this is what he says. He says, here's one thing that God's going to do. After you've suffered a little while, he's going to strengthen you. 
You know what that means? God is strengthening you and making you even more effective for his purpose. Isn't it encouraging to know that you can come out on the other side of whatever you're walking through stronger? You can come out on the other side of whatever you're walking through, and you can be, because you went through that, you can be more, check this out, effective for God's purpose. After you've walked through that, that God's going to use it. God's not going to waste it. And then here's the last one. He will establish you. This can be translated as firmly established or grounded. God is establishing your foundation, right? You're not going to waver. You're not going to be destroyed. You're firmly established. You are grounded in God. I love that. I love that, that we're grounded. Like I'm, I'm ground. I know where I stand. I'm grounded. I'm not way off over here and left. No, I'm grounded. I know God's word. I know what he says about me. I'm, I'm grounded. God's going to establish you. I love this statement. God's promise to us when we fall down or are pushed down is that he will pick us up, set us in a good and secure place, and use the difficulty we have been through to make us stronger than ever. It is this hope that gives us the courage to persevere in our spiritual journeys. Will you stand to your feet? I want to point out something here and then we'll read the last few verses together as we end first peter 5 but here's the last thing i want to point out in verse 10 is this statement he says after you have suffered a little while after you have suffered a little while how many of you would agree that when you are in the middle of some kind of suffering it doesn't feel like a little while it feels like a long while it feels like an eternity. But here's, here's the reality. In light of eternity, it's just a little while. You know what I think Peter's getting at? It's, it's just a little while. In the grand scheme of things, in light of eternity with God, this is all just a little while. After you have suffered for a little while, God's going to perfect you, confirm you, establish you, strengthen you, do all of these things. I love what Paul wrote about suffering. He said this, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Can I encourage you today? Listen. You're going to make it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, you know what Paul was saying? He says, all of this, this, this won't last. The things that we can't see will last forever. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. You're going to make it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And then here's the last few verses. How he ends it. He says, I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing, look at this, check this out, is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with a kiss of love. Peace be with you all who are in Christ. I love this. Peter mentions the purpose. He says, here's why I wrote. I'm encouraging you and ensuring, assuring you of God's grace. In the middle of everything you're walking through, 
I started this letter out with, I know that you are, you are scattered, you are foreigners, you are walking through things, you're enduring trial, you're enduring suffering, you're enduring persecution. He says at the very end, he says, and here's the reason I wrote to you. I wanted to remind you. I wanted to assure you. I wanted to encourage you that God's grace is sufficient for you. In the middle of all this, God's grace is still sufficient. So what do we do? We stand firm in God's grace. In the midst of anything, listen, in the midst of anything you walk through, you know what you can do? You can remind yourself that God's grace is sufficient. And you can stand firm in His grace. Amen? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to bring our prayer team down. You guys can go ahead and come to the front. I want to pray over you, and I'm just believing that If you're here today and, and maybe you've been feeling discouraged, you've been feeling down or whatever, here's what, man, at the end of this, this letter that Peter wrote for our benefit so that we could even read this today, he says, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stand firm in his grace. No matter what you're walking through, stand firm in his grace. God's grace, come on, as Paul would tell us, he says, I prayed, and here was the Lord's response. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. So, Lord, right now, as we stand all across this room, Lord, we, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness in our lives. And, Lord, today I pray that you would just remind us that we are going to make it that we can cast all of our cares, give all of our worries and cares to you because you care for us. Your grace is sufficient for us. You have not left us. You have not forsaken us. You are still right with us in the middle of whatever we're walking through. And so, Lord, my prayer is that you would encourage your people today, that we would be reminded we're going to make it. We just have to keep our eyes on you. Keep our eyes on you. And Holy Spirit, I pray as we sing this last song, if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life, that you would draw them for prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.